support. Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iris again. Isn't it good to see some sunshine? Having said that, I looked out the window this morning and it was raining. But that's another thing. Our seasons are really dropping out and coming in and out at the wrong time, the wrong place. And now we're getting deluges of rain, and that usually comes in April. We had a very dry April. And that's our drinking water for the next six months. So, you know, the world is changing and uh, we need to be prepared also for those changes up ahead. And today we've got our very special, very own um, Reverend Pastor Solomon Wilson with us in our virtual studio. Good morning, Solomon. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Aris. God bless you. And our listeners, God bless you richly uh, for yet uh, giving us the chance to come and, 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 and hear from God. And, and I love these moments because I believe that um, moments like this is when we hear the gentle voice of God and God gives us signs of warnings and God gives us signs of direction uh, because we need that more than ever. Um, and so we I'm going to talk about, or we are going to talk about a grace, uh, what grace is and what it does. And now it's a word that is overused, is a word that we've used this so much that we've lost the value of it. And, um, and because of that, I believe that God wants to draw our attention to what grace is and what it does. And sometimes we abuse, or most of the time, we abuse things because we don't know what they are and what they do. And um, it reminds me of a brother who bought um, a mentholated, uh, a mental um, 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 sweet, and he felt that he was meant to sniff it uh, rather than eat it. And so uh, this cousin of mine years back had a whole pack of mint and he would sniff it and then throw it into the bin. So within a short time, he had finished, gone through about 24 of them. And, and he, he said to himself, this is really rubbish. I thought it really worked. Yes, it does. But because you didn't know how it's to be taken, you sniffed it and threw it in the bin instead of putting it in your mouth. So many a times we, we abuse things spiritually because we don't know what it is and what it does. And so I believe that within the next uh, minutes that we got, we will come to appreciate what grace is and what it does so that we know how to appropriate it and to use it right. Amen. So we're going to start off very simple. We're going to start from a very generic um, uh, stand, uh, view on grace. So what is grace? Grace is um, smoothness or elegance. And uh, grace can be said as uh, being a courteous goodwill, showing courteous goodwill. It can also mean attractively polite manner of behaving and our good old definition of grace, unmerited favor. And so we know grace in so many different ways, but I believe that God is going to direct us to talk about grace on different uh, angles. And so I'm going to start off from four foundational statements about grace and we build on with other scriptures as we go on. So the first thing that I'll say is that grace, what is grace and what does it do? Grace is an expression of love. Grace is an expression of love. Grace cannot show up unless love is already been in the place. For God so loved the world, he showed us grace and gave us his only begotten son. And so grace cannot express itself in the absence of love. 
whatever we receive in a form of grace, either from God or any kind of favor from people, as we sometimes see grace manifest itself, is an expression of love. And so when we are talking about becoming under grace of God, we are saying that we want to experience the love of God or express the love of God through us and in us. Amen. What is grace? Grace is an expression of power and influence. As subtle and as gentle as the word grace is, it is powerful. Grace comes, is an expression of position, is an expression of power, and is an expression of influence. People of great power and influence are graceful because they know what they carry. They know what they can do. It is not about the lengthy um, talks. It's not about uh, the frequency of the pitch of their voice, but because they know that they are in a position of power and influence, they come across gracefully. So grace is an expression of power and influence. So when the grace of God is over your life, it expresses itself in power and it expresses itself in influence. The reason why our influence across our circles and in our communities, in our churches, is, is, is become less is the fact that we are not under grace anymore. We are not appropriating the grace of God. We are not receiving the grace of God. We are not using the grace of God. Because one thing that grace does is it makes us express power and influence. So grace is an expression of power and of influence. And I said it, that grace is a reflection of position also. It's a reflection of our position. The Bible says that we are seated together in high places. And so out of that position, we, we emit grace or we give up grace. So grace is a reflection of position. And so the higher you go, the more graceful you become. The reason why certain people are so uh, trying to prove a point and trying to let people know how, um, um, how high their position is, is because they don't really understand it. Because the higher your position, the bigger your grace. So as God lifts us up, the more reliant we become on grace. But unfortunately, when we are elevated, that's when we put faith out of the scene. But when we are elevated, it's an indication that the grace of God is abounding. The grace of God is causing us to, to grow. And so as we get higher, we are meant to be more graceful. But unfortunately, as we get higher, we become more proud. Amen. The fourth statement that I want to make, foundational statement about grace, is grace is a character. Grace is a character. It is not something that you, you just put on to perform, but it's something that you carry. It is something that forms part of your behavior. So grace is a character. So whoever is full of grace has the graceful character. He has a graceful attitude. He has a grateful um, 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 a way of showing herself or himself. So grace is a character. So it's not something that you just do and stop. When you are carrying the grace of God and when you are being graceful, it shows up in the way you talk. It shows up in the way you relate to people. And so grace is a character. So four things we've said. Grace is an expression of love. Grace is an expression of power and influence. Grace is a reflection of position. And grace is a character. So we are going to build on this as we go on, talking about grace. So the first scripture we look at is Ephesians 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. Now, this is a scripture that we quote very often, 
but there are few fundamental principles that I'm going to extract from the scripture, Ephesians 2 verse 8. For we are saved by grace. Now, the first definition of faith or what faith does is that faith provides salvation. It says we are saved by grace. So it is by grace that we are saved. So the salvation that we have or the salvation that somebody desires to have or redemption that he desires to have is made provided or is made or provided by grace. And so I don't know who is listening to us. Probably you don't know what salvation is about. Salvation comes as a result of the grace of God, the love of God that is given unto us. And we tap in into that grace, into that provision. And so grace provides salvation. It says, by grace, we are saved. What else can we see from Ephesians 2 verse 8? It says, we are saved by grace. By grace, we are saved through faith. Now, what is grace and what does grace do? Grace allows faith to work. Grace allows faith to work. I mean, faith can never work unless we have a destination of grace that it takes us to. We are saved by grace, but faith is the vehicle that takes us to where grace is. And so faith is working because grace has allowed it. What you can believe God for is what God has graciously provided. So faith works because of grace. It says grace allows faith to work. We are saved by grace through faith. So those of us that are listening to us this hour, I want us to believe God that our faith will be activated, not because we believe in ourselves, not because we can do it, but because the grace of God has provided what we are believing for. So may faith be activated in our hearts and our minds because of the grace of God. What is grace and what does grace do? Now, from the same scripture, grace allows us to receive from God. He says, for by grace, we have been saved through faith. It is not by ourselves. It is the gift of God. So God is given unto us and grace allows us to receive from God. And so many a times God has made the provisions, but we have to rely on his grace to be able to receive it. And grace allows us to receive. What else can we say of this same point? We can say that grace is the key to God's generosity. Grace is the key to God's generosity. Because it says it is the gift of God. But it started off by saying, for by grace. For, so for by that grace, we have access to the gift of God. So the key to God's generosity is his grace. Not because we, we, we have worked for it. Not because we, we have the strength and the wisdom for it. But it's because of his grace. So the grace of God begins to unlock the generosity of God in our lives. It allows us to receive from God. Okay. So now what we've established so far in Ephesians 2 verse 8 is that grace provides salvation. Grace allows faith to work. And thirdly, grace allows us to receive from God. It is the key to God's generosity. Now, this seems like a bit of a teaching, but I want us to just appreciate uh, how that the beauty of God's word and for us to start looking at grace from different angles. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. Reading from the New King James Version. It says this. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient 
Now it says, my grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I must gladly rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Now, that's a quite um, a familiar scripture, not to say that it's a lighter scripture, but we've heard over and over again. But what is this scripture saying about grace? Grace is saying this. It says, grace, my grace is sufficient. What is grace? Grace is what makes us or makes up for our insufficiencies. Grace is what makes us, uh, makes up for our lapses. So it means that when we are short, when we are not up to scratch, when we are not up to standard, grace fills that gap. Grace is an extension to our limitation. So it means that where we are limited to, grace stops it up. And so he says, my grace is sufficient. Now, Paul will pray about his infirmity a couple of times, and God did not answer, but rather God gave him this word that my grace makes up for your lapses. My grace makes you to know that you can do more, even though you are physically limited. So grace makes up for our lapses. It, it makes up for our insufficiencies. Amen. So what is grace? We can also see from this scripture, it says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What is grace? Grace turns weaknesses into strength. So those of us that are listening to us, probably you say, I cannot do it. I don't have the qualification. I don't have what it takes. I, I don't have the skill. I, I, I cannot perform it. I cannot do it. What grace is, is grace is something that turns weaknesses into strength. And so if you have a weakness or infirmity in your body, it might be a sickness. It might be a limitation. It might be a weakness. What we are believing God for is that because of the grace of God, that weakness is going to turn into strength. So strength is coming over you. Strength is coming over us as we appreciate what grace is and what grace does. Okay, now back to the same scripture. It says, therefore, I must gladly rather boast in my infirmity. What is grace? Grace changes. What is grace and what does grace do? Grace changes our emphasis. Grace changes our emphasis. It says, now I will rather boast in my infirmity. So what it means is that I'm going to say that God, I'm limited, I'm weak, but you can do it through me. So grace changes your emphasis. It says, I'm boasting in my infirmity because that I know that in my infirmity, the power of God is released. And so grace changes your emphasis. Even though you see your limitation, you are not seeing the limitation as your end product. You are seeing the limitation as a beginning of the exposure to the strength and the power of God. And so grace changes your emphasis. Yes, you are weak. Yes, you are unwell. But grace says you are unwell, but God is a healer. So grace always changes your emphasis. You are not just dwelling on your infirmity. You are not just dwelling on your weaknesses, but you are yielding yourself to say, God, I'm human, but you can top me up with your grace. And that's what grace does. So what is grace and what does grace do? Second Corinthians 4 verse 9, the same scripture. It says, I will rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is grace and what does grace do? Grace releases the power of Christ. 
You know, when we, we, we started from the beginning, that grace is an expression of power and influence. So the grace of God releases the power of Christ. So many a times we want to walk in the supernatural. We want a revival. We want an activation of gift. We want to walk in the dimensions of the supernatural. But we fail to admit that it takes the grace of God for the power of Christ to be released over us. What is grace? What does grace do? What grace is and does. That's what we are talking about. Now let's go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 6. James chapter 4 verse 6. He says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, this is a scripture that we are quite uh, familiar with. But let's look at the scripture. It says, but he gives more grace. That is to say that grace grows. Grace can expand. Grace can be added onto. He says, I give more. It means that I can increase you in grace. So it means that the grace of God over your life can grow. That is what grace does. And as we yield ourselves to God, as we yield ourselves to prayer, as we yield ourselves to the study of God's word and our devotion to God's services, and God's service or God's word, the grace of God increase. So those of us that are listening to us, we are talking about the grace of God and we are saying that the grace of God can get more and more. And so I pray that the grace of God will be more over your life. Now he goes on and says, Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What is grace and what does grace do? Grace is a reward for humility. Grace is a reward. And it's rewarded to those that are humble. But many a times the devil steals our heart with pride. And because of that, we miss the reward of grace. He says he gives grace to the humble. He rewards um, the humble with grace. And so grace is a reward for humility. Now let's go to that scripture again. It says, but God resists the proud. What does grace do? What is grace? Grace removes resistances and accelerates our progress. That's what grace does. It says for the proud, there's the absence of grace. And because of that, they are resisted by God. But it says those that are humble, grace is given unto them. There's no resistances with grace. So grace removes resistances and causes you to progress with acceleration. And so you might be saying, ah, but God, I wanted my ministry to have gone far and further than what I can experience. I felt that I would have gone far in life than what I, I'm experiencing now. What we are talking about is that the grace of God is able to remove resistances and accelerate your progress. So I pray that the grace of God will bring acceleration of progress for everyone that is listening to us, because that is what grace is, and that's what grace does. Amen. Now let's go to another scripture. We're going to go some few scriptures, but we are talking about what grace is and what grace does. Colossians 4 verse 6. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. 
Now, let's appreciate this. This scripture is quite interesting. It says, let your speech be with grace. We told you that we said that grace is a character. Grace is an expression of love from the beginning. And so he says, let your speech be always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. What is grace and what does grace do? From this scripture, Colossians 4 verse 6, grace influences your language. Grace has a language. Grace has a language. Grace influences the way you speak. And so if we are full of grace, then our language becomes a language of grace. Our language that brings elevation, that brings happiness, that brings uh, encouragement onto other people. So grace influences our language. So for those of us that are listening, what is your language like? What language are you speaking? Are you speaking the language of grace? Is your language and your speech seasoned with grace? If not, that is what grace is meant to be in our lives. That is how grace is meant to demonstrate itself or show itself in our lives. We speak with grace. So grace influences our language. Now, the second thing that we can extract from Colossians 4 verse 6 is that it says that you may know how to answer every man. Now, what is grace and what does it do? Grace provides you with answers. You know what to say at that given instance. Grace gives you answers. There are certain things and there are certain people that because of the nature, the, their character and the way they relate to people and how they deal with people and the nature of your situation, sometimes you don't really know what to say to them to, to diffuse the situation. Because the more you try to explain, it blows out of proportion and the thing becomes even more violent and, and everything is, is becomes so aggressive. But when grace comes to you, it is not just influencing your language, but it provides you with answers, such that when you speak, there are no questions after it, such that when you speak, everything is solved, such that when you speak, any, any questions that anybody has within themselves concerning a situation, concerning a person, concerning ministry and life or profession, you give the answers because grace always gives you answers. What else can we say from Colossians chapter 4 verse 6? It says that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now, what is grace and what does it do? Grace enhances your relationship so that you know to, how to deal with everyone. So grace will enhance your relationship. The reason why we are falling out consistently with ourselves is because we are not walking with the grace or walking in the grace of God. Because what grace does is that it enhances our relationships. Amen. So three things that we have emphasized in Colossians chapter four, verse six, grace influences your language. Grace provides you with answers. Grace enhances your relationship with others. Okay. Now let's go to another scripture. We, we, we're talking about what is grace. And what does it do? Now, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, 1 and 2. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And I read this. We, um, um, Myself and Pastor Aris were talking about this. That Romans 6, 1 to 2, he says this. What shall we say then? 
shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And it says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now let's take note of these words there. It says, shall we keep on sinning so that grace will abound is a question. So what is this saying? Grace is not to be abused because we can abuse the grace. Grace is meant to be appropriated, not abused. And so grace should not be abused. But many a times we abuse the grace of God. Why? Going to the second one. Grace is not an excuse for sinning. One thing that grace is never and would never be that grace becomes an excuse for sin. Because many a times we say, oh, because God is so gracious to you for people. But it's, it's a behavior, it's a character, it's a sin that you've been in it for a long time. But the grace of God should not be an excuse for you to sin. That's definitely not what grace is about. So when you say grace, I mean, God is so gracious. He's going to save me. He's going to forgive me. That is not what grace does. Grace is not meant to be an abused substance. Grace is not an heroin or cocaine that you, you just keep on dosing yourself with to keep you going. But grace is not meant to do that. So grace is not an excuse for sin. What else can we see from that? Grace teaches us how to live. The last bit, it says, how shall we? that are dead to sin, live any longer therein. So grace teaches you how to live in purity. So when we are talking about the grace of God, we are talking about purity. We are not talking about an excuse for sin. We are talking about maintenance of a pure life. The grace of God enables you to walk in purity. It teaches you how to walk. Now, when we connect this with Romans chapter 6, verse 14, we can see the same chapter. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. God told um, Cain when he killed, um, when he was tempted um, to kill the brother and was embittered. He says, sin knocks at your door. So sin knocks at your, at your door. But this scripture is saying that grace gives us mastery over sin. Grace makes you a master over sin. So sin does not control you. You are not addicted to sin. You are not. For some of us, we probably come to a point and say, oh, this kind of sin will be a decider whether I'm going to make it to hell or heaven because this I cannot do without. I easily fall into this. And so the Bible says that every weight and sin that easily besets us, let's put them away. And the grace of God gives us mastery over sin. It makes us master over sin. And I pray that all those that are listening to us, I don't know what you are dealing with, but there's a particular sin in your life. You keep on asking God for forgiveness every time and then. But I pray that as we tap into what grace is and what grace does, we'll begin to develop mastery over that particular sin and we live a life of purity. Amen. Now, what is grace? And what does grace do? We are going towards our last couple of um, scriptures and then we'll probably look at grace in action. Let's look at Acts chapter 15, verse 40. Acts chapter 15, verse 40. I'll read from the King James and I'll read from the New Living Translation just for us to, to appreciate the meaning 
of, of that scripture. And it says, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Recommended unto the grace of God. The New Living Translation says, Paul chose Silas and they left. And the believers entrusted him to the gracious care of the Lord. Now, what is this scripture saying? What this scripture is saying of grace is that what is grace and what does it do? Grace is a carer. Grace takes care of you. So the believer says that, I know Paul and Silas, you are going on this um, deadly journey. You are going to preach the gospel. You're going to be exposed to the attacks of the enemy. You are going to potentially be beaten. But what we are doing is that we are leaving you in the care of grace in the Lord's grace. So grace is a terror. So sometimes we become so disturbed in, in, in worrying about the moral and what the, the moral holds for us. And we are not so sure whether we'll be able uh, to be cared for. But the good news is that for Paul and Silas, the best carer that could be given them was to entrust them into the gracious care of God. They were entrusted into the hands of grace. So those of us that are listening to us, a personal message for you says that the grace of God will take care of you. Probably you are thinking about how you're going to cope with the changes and the differences that have occurred and the changes that have occurred in your life post-COVID. But I'm here to encourage us that one thing that the grace of God is and one thing that the grace of God does is that the grace of God is a carer and is able to take care of you. Grace takes care of us. They were going on a journey. What does grace do? What is grace and what does it do? Grace ensures a prosperous journey in life and ministry. I don't know what you've, you've focused your mind to do, but you have taken a different uh, direction altogether concerning your ministry, concerning your career, concerning your family life. And you are not sure where that journey is going to take you. One thing that I recommend unto you, as the believers did in Acts chapter 15 verse 40, is the caring grace of God. Because the grace of God takes care of you. You are not sure what the journey holds for you in the future, but the grace of God will take care of you, order your steps, and take you there. And so I pray that everyone that is listening to us will tap into this grace and see what the grace of God would do in their lives. Amen. Now we're going to our last scripture. If time allows us, it's going to be our last one. But let's look at Acts chapter 11. Acts 11, 22 to 23. We prayed into this scripture some time ago. Acts chapter 11, 22 to 23. It says this. Then the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came had seen the grace of God, was glad and exalted them all with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. Amen. Now that's quite an interesting scripture. It's loaded with a lot of things. But I'm just zeroing in on the things that are connected to what we are talking about. But there were signs and wonders happening in Antioch. People were being saved. There was a great revival. 
at the expense of not literally at the expense of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem was meant to be where the, the, the great apostles were. But they heard of a revival in another place outside Jerusalem. And the Bible says that when they heard of this good news, they sent Barnabas. Now, we said the other day that Barnabas, as we know, is a son of, of encouragement. And so they sent an encourager of grace to go there to encourage the grace that was being expected or seen over the lives of the people. And so the Bible says that when he went to Antioch, he was meant to see the people. Now, this is where I want us to reflect a little bit about. But the Bible says that when he went, he did not see people who are human and limited, but he saw the grace of God, the power of God at work in them. So their human flaws were not expected. They were not seen. Their human limitations were not seen, but rather the grace of God made them to be spotted. So uh, Barabbas saw the grace of God over them. And because of that, he was glad and he encouraged them that they should have their hearts cleaved unto the Lord. Now, what is grace and what does grace do in this scripture? Grace makes you visible and noticeable. Grace makes you visible and noticeable. You know, sometimes we do a whole lot of things and we are just wanting that we just want people to see and sometimes appreciate us. Probably you are involved in a business, you are involved in, and, and I believe that Tenant Radio is going global by the grace of God. The power and the grace of God is coming over it and it's going to go global. Why? Because the grace of God makes you visible. Probably in a business, you are, you are selling a product and nobody is seeing you. You've been on whatever social platform you can be on, but you are not seeing the growth that you expect to happen. You are not getting accustomed because um, a lot of people are not noticing you. But the grace of God makes you stand out. The Bible says that when Barnabas came to Antioch, he saw them, not them, but the grace that was on them. So the grace of God makes you visible. And the grace of God makes you noticeable. And so I believe that the grace of God will make you to be spotted. The grace of God will make you visible. Hallelujah. Now, in the, the verse 22, he says, the tidings of these things. Other version says, and the good news. What does it say of grace? What is grace and what does it do? Grace makes publications of you. Grace has a, a whole way of publicizing you. Grace makes publication. They were not hearing of the people per se, but they were hearing of the manifestation of the grace of God over their lives. I don't know how you see yourself, but I see that God is going to make his name to be glorified in your life across the nation. I may be speaking to a pastor, a minister, a man of God, a woman of God, but this is what I'm prophetically saying in the midst of this teaching, that God says that he's going to make a publication out of your life because of the grace of God over your life, because it is the grace of God that will cause you to be head off, not because you want fame for yourself, but because the ministry and the gift that God has placed in you. Grace makes publications. And so I pray that the gift of God in your life shall be publicized, not for your sake, but for the sake of the glory of God. Amen. 
What does the grace of God do? What is the grace of God and what does it do? From the same scripture. And that's our final point on that scripture. The grace of God over you produces joy. And the Bible says when Barnabas went and he saw the grace, he was glad. So it means that the grace of God produces joy in our hearts and produces joy in the hearts of the people around us. So if there's joy missing out of your marriage, if there's joy missing out of your ministry, if there's joy missing out of your life, the grace of God enables gladness and joy to flood your heart, to flood your home. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, very briefly, I'm going to touch on this and then we'll pray. Now, we just want to look at one example. We've talked about what grace is and what grace does. Now, we're going to just look at one typical example from the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament is uh, not much of grace was talked about in the Old Testament. It is not really a language of the Old Testament. Grace is more of a language of the New Testament. But God, at certain instances, made his grace available unto the people. And so uh, just looking at Exodus 33, 17 and 19 is a whole message in itself, but I'm just going to um, bring out some few things that we want to appreciate. So now let's see grace in action. Now the grace that we've talked about and the things that it does. Now let's see how grace is showing up. Now the Lord said unto Moses, um, Exodus 33, 17 to 19, I will do this thing also that you have spoken. So it means that uh, Moses more or less has come to God with, with a list of things, more than one thing, asking God to do something. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this also that you have spoken. So it means that grace always does the extra. He says, I'm, 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 I'm yet to finish it, but let, let me finish the reading. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And you will be gracious to, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I'll show mercy of whom I'll show mercy. Now, that's quite a very interesting read. Now, Moses was coming before the Lord and asking for things. And God says, I'll do not just the first one, but I'll do this one also. When the grace of God is in action in your life, your, your, your needs are met not just in single forms, but in multiple forms. Because the grace of God always abounds. The grace of God is always in the mold. The grace of God has the tendency to bring additions into your life. And so he says, I'll do this and another one that you've asked before. When grace is in action in your life, that's what happens. You have a speedy reply to your prayers. You don't struggle and trying to ask things from God. You don't come to God and have a whole hour and several hours asking for one thing because the grace of God speeds up the answer to your prayer. That's grace in action. It says, I'll do the first one and I'll do this one also. Why? Because you have found grace in my sight. Grace is showing up. And because grace is showing up, your request is going to be answered, expedited. It's going to be answered in a quickened manner. It's coming again and again. And it says this, and I know thee by name. When grace finds you, 
You have a personal connection with God and God knows you by name. That's grace in action. So you might see that probably nobody is recognizing you, but heaven recognizes you and endorses you. Why? Because grace has found you. Now it says, Moses says that if grace is there, now look at this. If grace is already there, I beseech thee for thy glory. So it means that grace ushers us into the glory of God. It says, if you say that I've found grace and grace is in action in my life, then let me access the glory there. So the grace of God enables you to access the glory of God. Probably you are saying that, that there's, there's no glory over my life. There's no presence of God in my life. There's nothing. I mean, the meaning of glory, I mean, that's another message for another day. But glory is weight. And, and glory is the manifest presence of God. Glory is the tangible presence of God. And it says, because of the grace of God, I want to have the tangible manifested presence of God in my life. And so the grace of God causes us to access the glory of God. And it says, and my goodness shall pass before thee. That's grace in action. The goodness of God passes before you. The goodness of God is demonstrated before you. The goodness of God is shown before you. And so I believe that when we allow the grace of God to be at work, then we shall see the goodness of God. And it says, and I'll proclaim my name before thee. The name of the Lord is exalted in your life because everybody will know that you serve a living God when grace is at work. And it says, I will show grace to those that I want to show grace and I'll show mercy to whom I want to show mercy. And I thank God for uh, the time that we have spent together. It's not been long. I try to go through it as possible, as uh, quickly as possible. But what we've, talked about so far and today is that grace, what is grace and what it does. What grace is and what it does. Amen. Let's, let's have a word of prayer. There, there are so many things that we said. There are some of these things that we have to go back and reflect on it because there are messages within this message. I believe very sure because every statement that we talked about can be analyzed even further with other scriptures to emphasize that. So I want us to go back to it and just appreciate the word of God and say, God, teach me what your grace is and let your grace be at work in my life. Let's have a word of prayer. Amen. Father God, we thank you, oh God, that today again, you have taken us to another angle of what your grace means in our lives. Father, we pray for more understanding of what grace is. And Father, we pray that your grace will be definitely at work in our lives. Let it reflect in every sector of our lives. Let it reflect in our family lives, our professional lives. Let it reflect in our ministries and our churches and our communities. And may your mercy and your grace, oh God, be shown upon our nations. We thank you and we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Solomon. Do you know that's an amazing word? And I, We can't have revival, can we, without the grace of God? When, when preachers wrongly, or any teacher wrongly, uses the grace or explains, mm. and as you said, in their own strength, mm. and revival really is, is it's a suddenly thing, isn't it? That suddenly thing mm. you get in Acts 2 2. And mm. it's not merely a series of meetings, you know, which to reach a high level of excitement, but it's the signs and the wonders and everything that goes with that. 
but everything mm. ends when the meetings end and people go yeah. home and it's that shouldn't be done once the meetings have sort of died down the legacy is 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 not a memory of what god once did but a, mm. a growing wonder of what god is still doing so it yeah. affects if it's wrongly misconstrued or taken out of yeah. context it will stop our revival mm. system working throughout the world yes yes amazing amazing and thank you very much for that study very in-depth and i believe there's more to come behind all of that Praise <laughs> right as you say we do have to leave our airtime right now and we just say bye-bye to you all out there and we really hope that you, you're enjoying these series because i certainly do so we're going to say bye-bye for now but we will be back so god bless you okay. everybody and remember grace Grace, grace. under grace, like you walk under the anointing, treat it well mm. after it, and it will look after you. Amen. Bye -bye.